Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, Brad Kearns. Back with me, finally, after a long break from being one of our favorite podcast guests ever back in the old days, but you've been really busy. We'll, we'll find out why. It's Dr. Kate Shanahan. Hey, Brad. Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, yes. So glad to have you on. We had a wonderful visit in May in Denver. Uh, we did a lot of filming for the Primal Endurance Online course, and we got heavy into the, the topic of fat burning for athletes and also the uh, things to watch out for in the diet. Uh, the viewers can go on YouTube and watch that, that epic video where we had Luke and you uh, talking about the dangers of refined vegetable oils. It was a nice one-off production that we, we put on YouTube. Um, so, here we are with the world's foremost resource on healthy eating and fat burning. And um, I wanted to catch up and first talk about this massive project that you and Luke have undertaken um, for the past uh, many months, which is to kind of uh, update, revise, expand your best-selling book, Deep Nutrition. Yeah. So we got a major publisher who was interested in buying it. And um, they had... Um, really they were really enthusiastic about the content and um we just kind of went gangbusters and it ended up being about twice as big as it was we in retrospect we really could have written an entirely uh new book but <laughs> there's lots of new content in there and there's three times the references as well so um yeah that took that took a lot of a lot of effort but i think it's going to be fantastic cuz we we there the original you know was put out in uh right around the beginning of 2009 and there's just been so much new stuff that's happened since that um, I really wanted to be able to um, update uh, with all the, with the, all the different concepts and that just each each different chapter had a lot of new updates and we added an entirely new series of chapters as well um, so in general what kind of stuff has changed in the primal paleo scene and the the messaging or the science since you published that book uh, seven years ago well, I think the biggest thing is that it's really not that controversial anymore to talk about lowering carbs and having some natural fats. Like it was really kind of like I was worried that, you know, I might be, there might be snipers on the rooftop when I left the hospital giving talks like that um, uh, back back in 2004 and five when I had first started. But now with the popularity of uh, low carb diets in general and some of the like the outing of some of the conflicts of interest with Harvard and other research institutions, I, I think it's it's a lot more acceptable. Um, anyway, I mean, a lot higher percentage of people have already kind of halfway, you know, they've heard it before. And right, repetition makes something true. So <laughs> now we're starting um, to win that battle. <laughs> so the um, the outing, are you talking about Harvard was outed or they're the ones doing the outing? Oh, they were outed. Yeah. So, um, yeah, big time. Um, so, you know, um, one of the things I really wanted to talk about today, Brad, was the fact that, um, 
we were essentially Americans are, are Americans who haven't read our books yet are still are participating in a massive medical experiment that began in the 1960s. And that experiment was uh, to produce the cheapest possible food and see what would happen. And so in terms of, you know, experimental success, <laughs> excuse me, uh, I, I don't see that uh, experiment listed anywhere. <laughs> right. That's pretty brutal. There. Yeah. So, well, you know, um, Ansel Keys, who is the originator of this uh, of this experiment, and um, he is the fellow behind the diet heart hypothesis that um, he was a big celebrity back in the 1960s because his he was a Time Magazine Man of the Year for coming up with the concept that your diet was uh, the cause of heart disease, except that he got it totally wrong. And he was saying that saturated fat was the cause and um, and polyunsaturated fats from vegetable oils would be the cure. And, um, you know, I, I think that um, maybe at the time he maybe wasn't sure of that. But uh, when I say he was outed, I think within... By the time he closed his experiment, um, he was sure that he was wrong. And so uh, let me just give you a little more detail. So the the experiment that he literally did start an experiment, it was called, appropriately, the Minnesota Coronary Experiment. And it, it ran for about five, six years in the late 50s and early 60s in, I think it was six hospitals throughout the state of Minnesota. And um, what he did was he had two groups of people, uh, based on his hypothesis that vegetable oil was healthier than saturated fat, he created two groups of, of uh, study groups. One was going to be eating more saturated fat. The other was going to be eating lots of polyunsaturated fat, the vegetable oils. And um, his hypothesis was twofold. The first part was that it would improve cholesterol levels. And the second part was that it would reduce mortality and morbidity from strokes and from heart attacks and reduce mortality overall in general, regardless of the cause. So very famously, this is why he made the headlines, was because the first part of his hypothesis, it proved true that eating the polyunsaturated fats compared to the saturated fats in the diet that he um, had as as the other part of the the group, uh, the study group, um, but it did lower cholesterol as he expected. The polyunsaturated fatty acid, the folks eating that that polyunsaturated fatty acid um, or experimental diet, as he called it, um, were uh, they their cholesterol levels were about thirty points lower, and this is total cholesterol um, than the folks eating the control diet, which was higher in saturated fat. Um, but that, in and of itself, was a kind of deception, and and that has has still yet to be outed <laughs> other than by um by uh, I think me I, I think I'm the only person talking about this <laughs> uh, so what was outed though was the second part of the experiment which showed not only what was it a failure in terms of the so their cholesterol was reduced yeah but they did not die sooner they did not have fewer heart attacks they did not have fewer strokes in fact there was a trend towards having more of all of the above a pretty significant trend um towards having more of all of the above from eating the the polyunsaturated oils and that was never published although the data was in in the 1980s and um and 
Harvard was involved in this kind of like cover up, you know, because it was there. They were in, they were uh, providing some of the statisticians, and this was never published until a um, medical research like Sherlock Holmes. Um, PhD person <laughs> um, <laughs> got it published in April of 2016, um, and it was uh, it was you know it made huge news for a little a little while about how you know had this been published 20 years ago we would have way fewer heart attacks today we would have way fewer strokes today this is a big deal a really big deal people died because. They never saw the fact that this whole polyunsaturated um, theory that Keyes had uh, was a failure. And we are still living this experiment and dying, just like the people in the experiment. And Harvard's take on it from Walter Willett, who is uh, kind of like the uh, the he's been involved in a lot of these studies in the Framingham studies for decades. He's really an iconic figure there. And unfortunately, I think his reputation was tarnished or should have been tarnished by the comment that he made about the fact that this, you know, this study should have been published. It was essentially covered up because it was not published. And he said, well, it's just a historical footnote. Whew. Yeah. P.S. Hundreds of thousands of deaths per year could have been prevented. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, so this, you know, we are still living. Those people who are not, those majority of Americans who are not like wise to this whole kind of primal ancestral way of eating, traditional food way of eating, um, or at least low carb way of eating, um, are still living the experiment. And, um, in research that we did for the, uh, publication of the second edition or the updated edition of deep nutrition, uh, I was, I, I was able to quantify how many of our calories are coming from this stuff on a, on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's somewhere between 30 and 60%. It's a little hard to tell because it's, it's based on disappearance data and you never know if like some of it's being used in deep fryers where not all of the vegetable oil is going to be, you know, used. They throw it out before it's all gone. Um, so that seems like a, a massive amount to say that, I mean, we're, we're mostly talking about liquid vegetable oils or packaged products containing a large amount of calories from those oils are going up to almost half our calories. It's, it's hard to imagine. And it includes things like the margarines and the spreads. It's it's the total use of those oils in, in edible products. So even if they're hydrogenated. Um, but that is, you know, that's the disappearance data says somewhere between 30 and 6% of the average Americans, um, diet is composed of this stuff, which is like you said, it's an incredible amount given that this is a massive experiment. It was this man, Ansel Keys came up with the idea. We should be eating more of this stuff. And we are thanks to him. And we are not talking about I mean, the, the fact that it was shown to be a failure in terms of prevention and a definite trend towards increased heart disease and strokes, that was never talked about. But the other thing that I want to, that I'm, uh, that I mentioned was like the first part of the deception was that when he, uh, when he designed this, the control experiment to be high in saturated fat, right? Remember, remember there's two, two diets. You want to have a control and you want to have the intervention. The intervention was the vegetable oils. The control was the, the saturated fat, but he didn't use butter. He used margarine, which is loaded with trans fat, Ouch. which we uh, know 
that's not that's not a saturated fat though is it well it's um artificially saturated so it, it's a process called ah. hydrogenation okay and um the hydrogenation the hydrogenated oils produce uh some saturated fat and a lot of trans fat which you've probably heard of before right uh, uh, trans fat is now known to be so unhealthy healthy so unhealthy, I want to be clear on that point, that uh, some progressive cities like Manhattan and parts of San Francisco, I believe, have outlawed it. That's how unhealthy it is. And this was the control. So what this means is that the vegetable oil is no better than trans fat, and there was a trend towards it being worse. So that part of the experiment has has like was never really picked up in in the media because um to be fair the the folks that did the investigation they they did kind of touch on the topic but they said it you know going back so far this was 40 years ago they really could only just make guesses about what the trans fat content Oops. Oh, I was hoping my dogs would disrupt the show, but no, it's on you. That's on you, girl. He's 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 really upset by this. What I'm saying about him. Yeah, exactly. It was a perfect cue right there. This is terribly upsetting because, um, uh, you know the the uh, I want to go back to um, how when he finally finished, he was a smart guy, Ansel Keys, and he realized that he had screwed up, but possibly he was too far down the road and his reputation and the, the backers and all that involved needed to uh, you know, refrain from telling the whole story. You know, I, I think it was exactly, it was more about his ego. I mean, this is just totally speculation, but um, it might've been that there was some industry conflict of interest as well, but um from my my take on this man was that he was driven by his ego. Um, uh, you know, he designed the K ration, which is uh, what the military was fed during World War II. He named it K after himself, Keys. Um, and uh, you know, comments, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, comments about his personality and his character were that you know he he was it was it was all you know his way or the highway his entire life. So. Um, I suspect there may, there may very well be some industry, industry conflicts of interest there too, because he was in, he was in Minnesota, which is, um, you know, kind of at that time it was like, um, uh, there were a lot of fortune 500 companies involved in ag, um, and they do really heavily rely on, um, soy oil and, uh, corn oil. So, you know, certainly the potential was there. Um, and somebody should do an expose on this, you know, cause it's kind of like, uh, it's just such a, a, a sad story that in the 1950s, um, people started out eating traditional foods, eating, um, you know, grass fed meat was a lot easier to come by. Mm. And then by the, by the 40 years later, we have, not just epidemics of obesity and diabetes, but we have ridiculous amounts of childhood diseases, autism. We have ADD going out of control. We've got bipolar illness. We've got schizophrenia. We've got major mental illnesses. And I tie this to the vegetable oil and, um, you know, to this American experiment, the medical experiment that we've all been in because our brains are made out of this stuff. Uh, and there's, it's especially, um, damaging to brain function because of the 
um, unique characteristics of the oils. You want to talk about that a little? Yeah. So um, the the unique characteristics of the oils are the the fact that these are polyunsaturated fats that are very susceptible to oxidation and are partially oxidized by the time they um, you know by the time we they're cooked with and um, the fact that they're partially oxidized that their chemical nature causes oxidative stress in our bodies. And oxidative stress is the great disease maker of our time, right? We don't have to worry so much about um, accidents and infectious disease anymore. We have to worry about chronic disease. And oxidative stress is the underlying factor behind every chronic disease that's been studied. And so that's the A A to Z of chronic disease. And you find oxidative stress as the cause. And these vegetable oils are oxidative stress in a bottle. They are liquid oxidative stress. And oxidative stress causes rapid aging as well as, you know, abnormal development and abnormal growth. So, you know, generation uh, generations of children have been born into this experiment now and we're seeing the effects. And that's what we talk about in our in our book. We kind of break down you know, everybody knows about the obesity epidemic. We're um, starting to understand the the connection with diabetes and the um, side effects of diabetes, you know, amputations and stuff like this. But it's not just that. It's changes to our growth. It's changes to our the way our brains work. It's changes to our immune system function. So we, we kind of break down the consequences of this American medical experiment in the different chapters of deep nutrition. Kate, why in the first place were uh, these saturated fats uh, suspected of being so damaging and the experiment therefore kicking off to try a liquid oil rather than a saturated oil? Yeah, that's a very good fundamental question. And it has to do with the, um, with some, you know, the fact that we didn't have the answer going into it. And there were a lot of different hypotheses, hypotheses provided from the beginning. And I think the ones that were easier to conceptualize were the ones that won the race of what became the real cause. And it's really easy to conceptualize fat clogging up an artery because we've seen fat in a pipe under the kitchen sink. We've, you know, there's, it gets greasy and disgusting down there and we, you know, the drain clogs. And that was the, the, um, not the meme, but the soundbite, the soundbite science that was behind this, this idea. Or even the, uh, the common sense, uh, you know, layman's common sense thing. We, we hear these things all the time where, um, you know, you, like, let's say in the, um, the training scene where we say, well, if you want to race fast, you have to train fast, right? And then it's like a rhetorical question because it makes so much sense. And in this case, it's like, well, you know, saturated fat is, uh, is saturated at room temperature. So don't you, don't you realize it'll, it'll clog up your pipes, right? And it, it makes sense. And then you have this beautiful liquid coming out of the bottle and, coating into your into your veins and making them smooth and supple it just makes so much sense <laughs> totally oh i have to tell you this funny little it has nothing to do with this but it's just so funny i was at a um conference and there was a athlete from um europe who was there because he was promoting his um his goat uh protein um muscle building um 
you know, product. He was trying to get, trying to, you know, do some networking for that. And, you know, I'm not going to say the brand or the name or anything like that, but I I asked him about it. Like, where did he get the idea that, you know, goat protein was going to be like the next big thing? And he said, oh my gosh, you know, don't you know that goats can eat anything? They are the toughest animals. So of course, if you eat their protein, you're going to be tough just like them. Right, right. piece of cake that's exactly like what you said it's like you say anything any explanation and if it has any catchiness to it bam it's the truth it's the truth and it spreads virally (laughs) right i mean i I, i'm not gonna go protein is probably really great you know but it's not like better than that line of reasoning needs a little work before i'm gonna buy it Okay, so back to the um, the question of why the saturated fats were implicated. There was that sort of um, uh, layman's, uh, you know, uh, knee jerk reaction that maybe this stuff is bad because it's saturated. And then where do we go from there? Solid, yes, because it's solid. You know, I should have said that, right? So saturated fats tend to be solid at room temperature, like butter and coconut oil. And so it is solid. So it's just going to be easy to clog up your arteries. And, um, you know, even though we know that, like at that time when um, Ansel Keys came up with, well, he really promoted that idea, right? There were other people who were investigating that possibility as well, but he kind of really brought it to the American consciousness. And at the time, we didn't know that much about lipoproteins, um, but you know now every everybody who goes to high school biology knows that fat doesn't travel freely in the blood, in the bloodstream. It travels in these particles called lipoproteins and they take care of the idea that, you know, fat and water don't mix. And they make sure that solid fat can, that what was solid fat when we ate it will be able to travel in the bloodstream safely. So it's a completely nonsensical argument. And, um, so what we now know really causes heart disease. And this whole discussion is based on concerns over heart disease and nothing else really. And when Ansel Keys was talking about it, um, we now know it's oxidized lipoprotein. So like every other disease, arteriosclerosis too comes down to the cause being oxidative stress. And when you have oxidative stress, unfortunately, you don't just get heart attacks and strokes. You also get every other chronic disease out there. So it's it's really, um, you know, I want to help set p- as many people free from this modern medical experiment as possible <laughs> by, you know, by, by helping them understand that what we all grew up hearing that saturated fat is bad for us and fat in general is bad and we need to avoid it. Um, so go ahead and eat a lot of, you know, carbs and other processed foods. The whole thing is just creating this modern medical experiment where we're having the outcome be an enormous amount of chronic disease. Uh, And where do the uh, carbs come into the picture here? Uh, When we talk about the standard American diet, um, we've heard that saturated fat and cholesterol can cause trouble if it's in the presence of this high carbohydrate, high insulin producing diet where the, um, the lipoprotein system is overwhelmed and you start getting high triglycerides in the blood. So can we, can we factor that one in now that we know how, how bad the vegetable oils are? What's, what's the next thing to attack on our, on our no-no list? Well, you know, um, I, I would say that that statement, um, is based on a, failure to understand the role of, um, 
oxidized fats whatsoever, failure to take that into account. And so the, 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 the statement that um, in the presence of carbs, saturated fat is more damaging than other fat, um, I, I wouldn't agree with that. I would say that, you know, saturated fats coming from real foods are simply not bad for you. And it is the effects of overeating and the effects of the carb um, and the unexpected effects of the polyunsaturated fats, because that's when Americans eat a high fat diet, that's what they're eating. So, and, oh, and I need to tell, tell you this, all the studies on lab rats where they do a high fat diet, even if it's based on lard, the amount of polyunsaturated fat in there is about what Americans get in the modern American diet in terms of the polyunsaturates, it's because the lard is coming from animals that were fed corn and soy, and their fat is extremely high in polyunsaturates. And of course, they add corn and soy to make it high fat. So when we're looking at animal studies and the animals were fed a high fat lab diet, they were fed oxidized polyunsaturated fats. And that is not taken into account. And so all those study results are suspect because of that. Uh, you just said a qualifier oxidized polyunsaturated fats because we realize that there are certain forms of poly, uh, high polyunsaturated fats, high percentage polyunsaturated fats, such as nuts and seeds that have health benefits. So there's a distinction here that we're, we're talking about the the polyunsaturated fats that that have been refined and and uh, sustained oxidative damage due to the processing into a liquid bottle, for example. Yeah, very important point. Thanks for um, highlighting that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, the vegetable oils are bad because of the processing. Uh, they are particularly bad because of the processing, um, and the processing removes the antioxidants, and it does start to create. Um, the 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 oxidation process. So the oxidation process would occur in the bottle if it just sat there long enough because one oxidized, um, it's kind of like fire, like oxidation is kind of like fire. So if you have something burning in a dried out forest, you know that fire is going to spread. And, and, and that's kind of what a bottle of vegetable oil is like. You don't necessarily have a whole ton of um, oxidized fats in the bottle of vegetable oil, but the longer it sits, those those oxidized fats are going to affect the other fats um, because that's how oxidation works. It spreads. In the absence of antioxidants, it will spread. So when you cook with the vegetable oils, the um, the small amount of oxidized fats in there becomes a much bigger amount because the the heat the cooking process will accelerate that oxidation that's occurring at a slow rate in the bottle and so that by like just to give you some numbers when you start out like say with a bottle of canola it might have 10 5 uh, to 10% oxidized fats sitting on the shelf when you cook with it that amount like say let's say you cook uh, to fry chicken you know so it's like 400 degrees or hot on the stove for about half an hour then you're going to end up with half of the fats in there, um, up to half being oxidized. And these oxidized fats, when we eat them, um, they're bad for us because they promote oxidative stress and they, they are, they are toxic, directly toxic because they disrupt uh, all of the cellular functions 
the complex metabolic activity that the cells need to keep under control, they have a very hard time keeping it under control. And it's, it's, very much like a forest fire, you know, there's not a lot going to be happening in terms of forest growth and development when there's a fire. And so, um, so you kind of want to think of it that way. Like the, the vegetable oil is oxidative stress in a bottle. And when you cook with it, you create more toxins and, it's going to disturb all of the functioning in every tissue in your body, potentially. And you, you don't quite know exactly what tissue is going to be affected. Of course, it's not just you cooking with it, right? It's in the restaurant and it's all the ready-made food as well. So a lot of people say they don't cook with it and um, that's great, but um, it's not just you. Uh, now, Mr. Luke uh, from the peanut gallery when we were filming was making cat calls and spouting some amazing statistics. And one of them was um, that something like 40% of the total calories at a restaurant, whether it's a crappy fast food joint or a, a super overpriced uh, boutique restaurant on the main drag in Napa, um, that they're getting that many calories from vegetable oil due to their cooking methods. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think about it, a salad, uh, most of the calories are going to be coming from the dressing and fat is very calorie dense. So if you have a salad, you're probably getting, you know, with two tablespoons of, of oil in the dressing, that's around 200 calories. And there's not a lot of other calories coming from anything else in the salad. So the salad alone is like 80% calories from fat. And then they'll marinate their, uh, their meats in these oils and they'll um, put them in the dessert instead of using butter. It's cheap, right? And they'll really go to some lengths in order to use this stuff instead of anything quality. Like I've heard of folks who had worked in restaurants where they were told to use those like tins of olive oil, empty out, you know, they emptied that out using it, you know, for some lucky customers. And then they'd refill it with, um, with vegetable oils. So oh, it looked boy. like they were using olive oil. Um, that ain't cool. That was like when I worked at the pizza joint in high school and um, I uh, was instructed by the boss man to clear the rolls off the people's table, you know, the, the, the bread basket, the roll basket, and then uh, throw them back into the warm oven so they could be served to the next person. Like they're, they're too cheap to even give people fresh rolls. It's just brutal. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, what, what people will do to save a few pennies, you know? <laughs> so when you're dining out and you want to uh, respect your health and you're doing the best job you can at home, um, what are the instructions? You're going to ask them if they can cook it in butter, which is probably not an unreasonable request. And what else do we do? Taste the oil before you pour it. I like if I get a salad, I always ask for oil and vinegar, olive oil and vinegar separate. And then I taste it because it's not necessarily olive oil just because they say it is. And, um, and then, um, you know, it, usually in terms of like being a truth detector, usually if they really do use olive oil, they're quite proud of it. And they'll have a bit of an attitude when you ask them like, no, we wouldn't use, you know, anything but. <laughs> Kate, this is fascinating stuff. I want to keep going on these same topics and also get into some other ones like um, 
uh, the fat burning uh, from an athletic perspective and also uh, addressing your position on carb intake and where it fits in with a healthy eating pattern. I know you have some really provocative, interesting things to say that we've talked about offline. So for the first show, this is a wrap. Thanks for listening to Dr. Kate Shanahan. This is host Brad Kearns, and we're going to get you on part two and keep the momentum going. So next week, listen in again with Dr. Kate Shanahan, author of Deep Nutrition, the new and improved Deep Nutrition. Hi folks, Mark Sisson here, and I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries, such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest-growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. We also have payment plans available, so you can start immediately for just a dollar down. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.